Salutations, everyone, and welcome to the Triple R Podcast, the Retro Wrestling Report. My name's Warren. How's everybody doing? Fantastic Sunday to you all. Me and the fellas are here to talk about some December to dismember in the uh, reimagined ECW that came back around in the early, I don't know, the mid-2000s. Um, this was their first and only pay-per-view. Uh, critically, was rated probably one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. Um, but we'll see if we feel the same way after going through it. Uh, let's bring in the compadres. Brother Chris. Chris, how are you? I am doing well. Ready to talk about this ECW pay-per-view. All right. And Justin Pilcher. Pilch, how are you? I'm good. I uh, was actually eating dinner, and I went to go wash my dish and put it in the dishwasher, and I came back, and we were recording. So this is a little uh, little jarring, but I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> you came back just in time. So bef- before we uh, – bef- I was going to tell you guys this story before we started recording, but I'm going to – Hit you with it now is so yeah, last when last Wednesday, um, my dad and stepmom were out of town, so I came over to the house to like let the dogs out and stuff because they've been gone all day, right? And while I was here, I decided I was gonna watch uh, AW Dynamite, so I turned it on, started watching it, got you know about an hour and 40 minutes through it, and my stepmom came home. And so I'm sitting in the living room watching Dynamite, and I get up to talk to her, and she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, this, it's this new wrestling promotion, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, she's like, oh, this looks interesting. And it was the main event, and I, I forget who was in it, but um, I, I all I remember is half the main event was the Dark Order. And my stepmom thought they were, like, the, the craziest bunch of guys she had ever seen. Like, she was, like, on the edge of her seat throughout the entire match, and she... She openly told me that she thinks John Silver is like one of the best wrestlers she's ever seen. <laughs> John Silver's got she's massive like, arm. Yeah, she's like, are they supposed to be scary or are they good guys? And I was like, uh, no one really. They're just kind of goofy. And she's like, well, purple is not a very scary color. And I was like, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I don't get it, but like, I kind of like it. And like, she watched like the, it was like a 15, 20 minute match. Oh, it was against the Young Bucks. She hated. She did not like the Young Bucks. She thought they were gay. Which is nothing wrong. Good with that. on, uh, good on, Mama Pilch for. Uh, for <laughs> she goes, are, are they like, are they like together, like in a relationship? And I go, no, they're brothers. She's like, ooh, they're really close brothers. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <I> guess so. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's my my random uh, wrestling story of the week. Also, it's it's great to be here. So, thank you for having me. I, w- I would prefer the story time over the thank you for having me any day. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but let's let's get into it. Uh, I'll be hosting. It'll be Chris against Justin Pilcher today in the uh, last uh, battle before we get to our uh, season finale, which will be next Sunday. Uh, can't wait to get to that. Well, let's ring the opening bell here and uh, talk about December to Dismember 2006. 
Uh, it took place on December 3rd from the James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, attendance was a very measly 4,800, according to uh, the wiki. Um, but for most of the night, you didn't really hear the, the crowd. Um, they popped in here and there, but there were a lot of dead spots uh, where the crowd would just was not into, not feeling what the what the action was going on in the ring. Um, I don't know, and uh, and like I said, critically, it was it was rated not one of. It was critically rated one of the worst pay per views of all time. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the name December to this member. Um, this just wasn't, a, didn't really pop off. It felt thrown together. It felt kind of halfway done, I guess. But they, they, you could say that about the entire uh, ECW brand run once it was a, a third brand for WWE. And we got uh, two of my favorites, Joey Styles and Taz on the call. Uh, so we can't wait to, to get to hear them. Let's start off with uh, Brother Chris. Chris, what are your initial thoughts here for this this pay-per-view December to this member? Chris? Hmm. How about that? How about that? Can you hear me? Now we can. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, so... With the with this pay-per-view, I mean, it's an ECW pay-per-view. So I'm expecting ECW-type shit to happen. Mm-hmm. Once it started, I remember, oh, wait, this is like WWE ECW. So much, much I had different. to like yeah. kind of change my uh, uh, expectations a little bit. Yes. And... Um, you know, I felt like for a while, like some of these matches was like, are they just burying all the like ECW mainstays and just uh, for whatever reason? But I think I forgot that some balls won his match. So it, that wasn't the case. But I felt like, I don't know, it just seemed odd booking, just odd booking and the crowd wasn't really into it. And I think the crowd felt like I felt or like they wanted ECW stuff. They bought tickets to see an ECW pay-per-view live to see some crazy, crazy things happen. And it didn't happen. And they were just disappointed. The, uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get more into it when we go through the mat. But like the whole thing about ECW is that it's supposed to be extreme and like the match is supposed to be like a little more hardcore than normal. Like even if it's not like an actual hardcore match and they just, they didn't do that for any of the matches. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this version of ECW was not, uh, they were trying to capitalize off the extreme popularity that they had of the one night stand reviews that they put out, um, and try to catch lightning in a bottle. But, Paulie didn't have his his full control, and WWE the machine got their hands on it, and they just changed the whole essence of ECW, and it just wasn't a very good representation. 
Uh, Pilch, uh, your initial thoughts here for uh, December to December. So, <clears throat> like you, Warren, I looked up some of the statistics here. I thought uh, 4,800 was a <clears throat> extremely low attendance. And uh, mm-hmm. I actually couldn't believe that number when I read it. And what I think is even more alarming is that the buy rate for this was only 90,000, which is the lowest buy rate of any WWE pay-per-view of all time before the WWE Network came around, which is startling, to say the least. Yeah, like I said, not great, but uh, let's see if... um... If this surprises us as we get into, we did get Drowning Pool though, which was a, was a huge get in my opinion. Yeah, the the WWE loved to use that Drowning Pool at the Bodies at the Floor song. They used it quite a bit. Um, let's get to the opening contest. Tag team action here with the Hardys making their uh, appearance here in ECW. Taking on Eminem, Molina, Johnny Nitro at this time. He was Johnny Nitro mm-hmm. and uh, Joey Mercury. Um, let's go with Pilch. Pilch, what do you have for this tag team contest? So, um, <clears throat> the fur coat boot combination by Eminem was just spot on. Great, great wardrobe choice, in my opinion. <laughs> um, Taz said this was the hottest entrance in the game, and I, I, oof, I tend to agree with him. I mean, it, it gets the blood going. Like it's it's good. Um, <laughs> I thought it, it was interesting they brought the Hardy Boys back to this because, um, for one, it doesn't really seem like they were tagging together as much at this point and jeff was also the intercontinental champion so i thought that was kind of a for what i what i had pictured this pay-per-view to be as more of a enhancement talent kind of pay-per-view i thought that was a pretty big get for them and uh you know more power to them um taz's obsession with melina through this match is a little off-putting for me Mostly because, um, you know, he just we, we this happens with announcers in pay per views from time to time, um, where they just they they tend to focus on the women at the ring a little, little more than necessary. Um, and normally I love Taz and I I thought he was good, uh, but yeah, a little, little too much for me. Um, uh, I don't think John Morrison has aged a day since 2006. He looks exactly the same. I, Hair color changed slightly, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, he he's got he's uh like Tory Wilson and R Truth. Like apparently, these people just never age. I don't know what they're taking, but uh, years go by and they stay the same. Like uh, high school girls, right? Isn't that the quote? Um, sure. Yes, that is the quote. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for bailing me out of that one. <laughs> no clue what you were talking about. From Dazed and Confused, Warren. Again. You've no never clue. seen Dazed and Confused? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. Do yourself a favor and watch Dazed and Confused. It's a movie. It's great. 
I, okay, so I've I've heard of it. Um, I just never never sat down to watch. It's a, it's alarming to me that you've watched SummerSlam 1988 and not Days and Confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll make a point to reach out and try to find it somewhere and uh, and watch it. And I'll do a full report. Um. But yeah, going through the rest of my notes, I thought uh, Johnny Nitro or Johnny Morrison or whatever you want to call him, he he kind of stole the show for a lot of this match. He had some really good spots in here. Um, just going line by line, that uh, wheelbarrow driver by the Hardy Boys was great. Um, Matt with that giant Razor's Edge power bomb on Nitro was awesome. Um, and Melina had a few run-ins here. I thought that head scissor spot was kind of really funny because. Taz got like really excited that you know Matt was in between Melina's legs. I thought that was great. Um, the I think it was Matt, and I, maybe you remember Warren, but when Matt did the dive over the top rope onto the Florida Mercury, he missed him completely. Yeah, like, yeah, that wasn't great. That was that was a scary spot. That wasn't and then great. At all. Matt was the one that actually caught Morrison, and then Matt was also the. Matt was also the one that caught Jeff. It's like those two didn't know how to catch someone that was jumping out of the ring. Is, um, yeah, it looked ouch. Um, yeah, that gave was me a headache. Tough. Go ahead. Definitely a bunch of scary dives there. Absolutely. Yeah, Melina is so loud there this whole match. She gave me a giant headache. Um, it's just, uh, it was like a woman all over again, just. Like the whole time, I just stop. Um, the mist slingshot to the whisper in the wind was the hot tag to Matt. This was about 10 minutes after Jeff got a hot tag. So this match was so long that we had two Hardy Boys hot tags, which I thought was just nutso. Um, the stereo superplexes was okay. Um, this, you know, it ended with the Swanton Bomb by Jeff with the M&M sandwich with no peanut butter. So quoted Taz. Um, you know, the big spot here was when uh, John Morrison drop kicked Melina off the apron and then just could care less that he did it, which I thought was great. You know, just went about the match as normal. And, um, you know, the big, the big, big selling point here is that uh, we had the the old dapper yapper on the microphone. I was pretty excited about that for the rest of the night. So, <laughs> dapper yapper. Those are my notes here. Uh, Chris, what do you That's got me. for this uh, for this tag team match, Hardy Boys and Eminem? Oh, you know, I, I mean, I think Pilch hit all the spots that I was going to hit on. I, uh, what I do still want to, I mean, I was so distracted throughout this whole match. Because Melina just kept shrieking out on the outside. It's like, I understand you're like trying to cheer them on and like do your valet duties, but do you have to scream like you're getting murdered? Like she was just high pitched screaming. Like, what the hell is that? It's like somebody getting attacked in the crowd. Like, do we need to stop the show? Like, what? Is- and it's just Melina. She's out there just screaming. For and no reason, and it wasn't like with like Pilch mentioned with woman, where woman was trying to encourage Ric Flair to 
get back into the match. Right. It was just her. She would just scream. Yeah. And she was even screaming when when Morrison, no Morrison, Nitro and Mercury were in control of the match. Right. Just it was a lot. It was a lot for her to be yelling at that much. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, I felt like this match was like so long. Like, if this pay per view was two hours, like this match was an hour. Like, if that's what it felt like to me, anyway, I just felt like they're still going. They're still. This has got to be the finish. Two count. What? Like, why are we still going with this? I don't know. It just it was a very lengthy opener, and it wasn't for anything. Like it wasn't a title match. If it was like for the tag titles, I could understand that. They didn't have tag titles for ECW. It was just the the heavyweight the EC title ECW title. Yes. So, I don't um, know. yeah, that was one of the first things that I I noted down was uh, the length of this stinking match. Um, and I don't know if you make that match shorter, are you going to add minutes to the other matches? Because I think the rest of the matches outside of, no. I mean, not counting the main event, <laughs> the meat of the matches in the middle, all were, they were all timed out perfectly to where they went just long enough to get the story across and get to the finish. Right. And I know you got to fill all their time. If anything, I would just put it onto the main. Yeah. Yeah, I just open the match with a 20-minute tag match that's just a random tag match, and there's no outside stipulations or titles on the line. It doesn't need to go 20 minutes. Right. Um, the very first note that I wrote down was just Melina. <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole note. Yeah, um, they're fucking screaming for no reason. Uh, Joey Mercury... Uh, before getting into the WWE, also wrestled in the the Hardy's Omega promotion in the late nineties. Um, I thought that was a cool uh, callback. The fans tried to get a an ECW stable, a chant of a "She's a crack whore" going, but that really didn't catch on. Um, I did mention uh, the screaming. I did mention Matt. <laughs> I did mention the uh, the Matt dive on the outside. Uh, it didn't even look like he got back up to catch Jeff. Honestly, no, he didn't care. Yeah. yeah, you just could care less at that point. Um, I did like Matt's spot where it with the uh, running bulldog clothesline thing, and then Jeff doubled up the Swanton bomb for the win. Uh, like I said, and we all agreed this match was just way too long, it did not need to be 20, it probably could have been 15. You get to one hot tag, you do, 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 call for the finish, and, and go home. Um, but we got through it, and now we're going to head to our next matchup. Is uh, we got Matt Stryker coming out here, and he gets on the mic, and he's always been a decent promo. Uh, I wish his in ring career in the WWE was a little longer. It felt very abbreviated before he moved to commentator, before he moved to the commentator's desk. Um, but he cut a promo here and he talks about wanting to do strikers rules for this match instead of extreme rules. And I am all for it for the extreme enforcement of 
the rules and hair pulling and all that stuff and no moves off the top rope. Uh, count me in uh, when that comes up. Um, and Stryker was actually a legit teacher that was uh, wrestling on his days off in school breaks. Uh, he was a teacher in New York City, I want to say. But uh, let's start off with Chris. Chris, what do you got here for Matt Stryker, Balls Mahoney, in the Strikers rules match? Again, very disappointed by this match because you come here to watch ECW and you're just getting Matt wrestling. Like, that's not why we bought tickets. That's not why we got the pay-per-view. That's not why people are watching. That's this isn't this isn't the one you do this with. This was a regular WWE pay-per-view, you know, and uh, uh in your house or you know whatever the you know the non mainstay pay-per-views were at this time you know, uh, Unforgiven or something or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. That's where you do this match. Not the ECW December to Dismember. Like, it's called December to Dismember. Like, there has to be some sort of extreme rules type feel to it. I mean, and the, the, the you know, the main event brought that definitely. But the rest of the card was just, eh. Like, it was just, I felt like I was just watching a, not even, not even a SmackDown. Not even a Raw or SmackDown. I felt like I was watching, like, a Sunday Night Heat or something. Like, it was it just wasn't, there wasn't anything really to it. Yeah, this. Now, yeah. like, does Balls Mahoney really need to prove that he can actually wrestle? Like, no, because he's never he's never ever made his name on on quote unquote actual wrestling. Right. Been, uh, he said that like the crowd knows I can wrestle, but I'm going to show you I can wrestle. Like, no, I don't think the crowd knows that you can wrestle. We just know that you can beat people up with stuff. Yeah. Like that's what we want. You know, you come out with a chair. You, we sing the song about you having balls, and then you hit people with a chair, and then you know we all go home happy. And none of that happened today. And it was just. I don't know. Uh, Justin Pilcher. Pilch, what do you have for this match? Uh, Balls Mahoney versus Matt Stryker. So um, Matt Stryker resigned in disgrace, they said. Uh, do we know what he did? Um, I don't think he actually resigned in disgrace. Um, I, I have it in my notes that I thought the way – it was uh, he was a legit teacher and was, like I said, taking weekends and his school breaks to wrestle. And I want to say at one point I heard that he was taking just legit days off from his school job to uh, to go wrestle. And then once they like discovered him on TV as that's what he was doing, that he left. Now, I don't know if that's 100 percent accurate as to what it was. Um, it might have been, but I don't know if that would necessarily necessarily lead to leaving in disgrace. Hmm. Okay. Um. Then Taz proceeded to tell us that he dresses like a fool, and I agree. Duly noted, Taz. 
Um, I, I have a couple of notes here. I'll just read through them. Uh, my first note is I hate both of these guys, which I do. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like either one. Uh, strikers tights, uh, just wow. Like that's that's a bold choice, especially for a pay-per-view. Um, Balls Mahoney hit the what I, what I would consider the worst leapfrog of all time. And it looked like he uh, he tore his quad in the process. Like he did, he moved around a little slow afterwards, and um, yeah, just no bueno. Uh, and the crowd started training. Uh, Striker sucks, which yeah, I agree with. So I was happy about that. Um, I think if you took everything that everyone loves about MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, you'd have uh, Matt Striker. That's uh, my hot take there. Um, the are you not a ending, are you not an MJF fan? No, I love MJF, but I'm oh. saying if you took all the good things from MJF and like all his charisma, everything he does well on the mic, like his his in in ring acumen. He's saying what's left from, is Matt Striker, not like all the good Matt things Stryker. together with Matt Striker. Mm, right. Gotcha. Um, the ending was unexpected and bad, uh, so much so that I don't even really remember it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I know you're the big ECW guy and I, we, I watched some of it. I, I like some of it, but, uh, balls Mahoney is just not my, my cup of tea. Um, no, I, and I cannot, especially watered down balls Mahoney. So, yeah. I can, as much of an ECW fan as I am, I cannot take credit nor defend this version of ECW. Once it, once they closed and then all of a sudden were reborn underneath, fully underneath the WWE umbrella, uh, that was not ECW by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there yeah. were a few good things as a whole coming out of there, but, uh, they were not on this pay-per-view. Right. And um, yeah, this, th- I agree with Chris and his point. Like this is a, this is a Sunday night heat, like match. The, the, there's no reason that this should, this should be on a, no one should ever have to pay $50 to see this ever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I thought the runtime was good. You know, it was short. So, I mean, that's a plus. Uh, yeah, no, they like I said, the rest of these matches out after that tag match get what seems like the appropriate amount of time for them to get in and out of the match where the match doesn't drag on forever and they always they get all their stuff in. Um right. I did like how uh Matt Stryker was working Balls Mahoney's arm most of the match. Uh, one of signature, one of Balls Mahoney's signature moves is the you know the striking combo as the crowd is chanting balls. Um, but he would try to do that strike combo, and his his arm and shoulder was so messed up that he wasn't able to fully complete it. That was a nice, uh, nice storytelling there. Um, and Balls Mahoney gets a spinebuster variant on uh, Matt Striker for the win here. Um, kind of like a modified version of the sky high, but he doesn't go all the way up with him. Just kind of pulls him in and, and drops him down. Um, 
I didn't hate the match. Uh, like we said, the timing was right on point. Um, but the watered down version of Balls Mahoney was never fun. Uh, and I wish I got a chance to see more of Matt Stryker. I think Matt Stryker's as the teacher gimmick was much better uh, than the Dean Douglas teacher gimmick that was back in the the mid nineties or or the early nineties in uh, WWF. Um, we're moving on to the next match. Another tag team contest here with the FBI. With- Little Guido and Tony Mamaluke are out here, and they are taking on Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkey. Um, I was always a fan of Elijah Burke, and I can't really explain why. Um, I know little to nothing about Sylvester Turkey. Uh, and he was only he was released shortly after this. This is December of 06. He was was released in January of 07. Um, so, uh, yeah, not much I can contribute to answer any soon questions asked as far as who Sylvester Turkey is. Can't do it. Uh, let's start off with, I think it's Chris's turn. Chris, what do you got for FBI versus Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkey? Uh, again, another match that... Could have been done on a Sunday night heat. This uh, Turkey guy, I, I don't know. They didn't. The crowd did not like this guy. <laughs> he was not. They just. He could not get over. No matter what he was doing, I don't think they minded Elijah Burke, but this Turkey, they hated him. And I believe in this match, at one point, they called him the F word. Not positive. Couldn't really tell. It sounded like the F word to me. Really? Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not talking about uh, uh, fuck. I'm talking about the one about the game. They were, they were just chanting it. That was aggressive. No, they they wanted baguettes. They were hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so that was happening. And, um, I mean, Taz was just, I don't even think Taz saw this match. He was too busy looking at, uh, what's her face on the outside. Oh, Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. Trinity. He was, was, uh, distracted to say the least. (laughs) Taz doing his best, uh, Jerry Lawler impression. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, this match, it was what it was. I mean, you, there wasn't much that uh, Nunzio and uh, Marmaduke is his name? Is it Marmaduke? Oh, I was two. calling him Marmaduke the whole time. So let's let's start from the beginning. Um, I'm never going to refer to Little Guido as Nunzio. I, his name's Little Guido. Well, his, you know, he's Nunzio in WWE. They can't say Little Guido. That's too oh. edgy. Little Guido. Uh, second, it's uh, not Marmaduke. It's Tony Mamaluke. Mamaluke. That's, I mean, that's pretty close. <laughs> I'm going to call him Marmaduke. Oh. So Nunzio and Marmaduke, they weigh like what? 180 maybe? Like together? <laughs> like, so, 
they're yeah. not the biggest guys. So like yeah. they could probably hold their own with Elijah Burke, but with that turkey guy, there I mean, it was just you knew what was gonna happen. So back in the ECW days, if you can if you can uh, picture it, uh Tony Mamaluke was even skinnier than he was in this match here. <laughs> But the announcer, when they would announce him saying, uh, you know, he weighing in tonight at however much, uh, he would get weighed in at however much liquid ounces. <laughs> just, I don't know. Just didn't, his, whatever his pounds would have been was just not registering on the on the scale. Yeah. Um, Pilch, what do you got? For this this tag team jumble match, I actually thought uh, Toby Marmaduke was uh, Billy Kidman at first. I was a little taken aback. No, that is then, that is Tony Marmaduke. Yeah, Toby Marmaduke, and then um, uh, a lot. He, uh, I don't have a lot of notes here. Elijah, I wrote Elijah Burke. Please stay off the mic. But sweet hat though, cool hat. So. Um, Trinity's outfit was yeesh, yeesh. I don't even know where you buy something like that. Why you would buy something like that? Um, it's almost you know, non-existent. Yeah, there's no point in even wearing it. Um, the next line I have just says, "Oh no, the hat," and then it says, "Where's my pizza?" So I'm not really sure what was going on there, but it seemed <laughs> interesting enough to write down. Did you order pizza when you were um, watching this? I might have. Uh, oh the no, next. they said um no, they said because Nunzio put on that dumb hat Elijah Burke had on and yeah. he flipped the brim up and then Taz or Joey was it Taz or Joey Styles? I think it was Taz. He made a joke that uh Nunzio looked like a pizza delivery boy. Gotcha. I think that's also why I wrote, hey, I'm walking here, was my next line. (laughs) And then Elijah kept calling uh, Sylvester the man bear. And then all I could think of was man bear pig. And I was like, oh, he's ahead of his time. Um. There was the in the big right hand by Elijah for the Elijah experience. Um. The crowd start the crowd started chanting TNA 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 at that point, um, and I was hoping that you'd have an answer as to why was Elijah Burke in TNA before this? No, not, it's, I, not before this. He's running TNA. Came I know why. This. Go ahead. So uh, Elijah Burke used Jeff Jarrett's finisher, the stroke, that like um, oh. like Russian leg sweep. Or it's more like a flatliner, isn't it? Or no. No, it's a Russian leg sweep. It's a front Russian leg sweep. So right. instead of instead of going backwards, they're gonna go they forward. They go on it. Yeah. So Elijah Burke did that and then ends the match. And then Turkey, Man Bear Pig, comes in and does Samoa Joe's finisher, which is the muscle buster. So they just ripped off right. two finishers from that. their competitors. So so the crowd uh, let them know, like, we know what you did. <laughs> they just started chanting TNA, TNA. They said it, it said it on the wiki. 
I th- I thought Jeff Jarrett's finisher was when he hit someone with a guitar. No, that was after the match. Oh, okay. Um, and then my last note here is that if you put Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkey together, you get a sandwich from Panera, the Burkey Turkey. I've never had it, but it sounds like something you could order from there. <laughs> funny, funny you should say that, Pilch. Um, my kindergarten teacher was named Mrs. Burke, and that's what she called us. Berkey's turkeys. You know, if if it, if the shoe fits, man, that's just that's that's great yeah. stuff. Um, so uh, I have always enjoyed Little Guido. I think he's one of the most uh, technically sound wrestlers I had ever seen. But the match itself was pretty straightforward. The crowd could not care at all for this entire match. Um, until they started chanting the TNA at the end. Um, but yeah, no, this one was pretty straightforward. Uh, got right to the point and and got out. So the next segment we see here is we see... No, I'm sorry. In between, I want to say, the striker match and the FBI match, um, Sabu's laid out in the back. Uh, he's also a... Partic- supposed to be a participant in the main event match, the this the chamber match for the ECW title. So then we go through the match, and after the match with the FBI and Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkey, they're just now loading Sabu into the ambulance. Um, it just seems like it took a very long time to get him in the ambulance. Um, but then we move on to our next contest. The ECW favorite of mine, Tommy Dreamer, is taking on Davari, and Davari's out here with the great Kali. Um, I always enjoyed when foreign, uh, foreign heels cut a promo and speak in their native language. I think it's I always felt it's the easiest way for someone to get heat. Um, the great Kali, way too top heavy. Uh, he's got he's all torso and arms and a massive head, but then his legs are like freaking toothpicks. Um, and uh, and like I mentioned, Tommy Dreamer is one of my favorite all, or if not my all time favorite from ECW. Uh, let's start off with Justin Bilcher, Tommy Dreamer versus Davari here. Uh, ECW original versus uh, you know versus just Davari. What do you got? Uh, so on the, you mentioned the, the opening promo and, um, I know they speak the same language, uh, which is Farsi if I'm not mistaken, but, um, Davari, uh, uses the same kind of tone and cadence as our, uh, field correspondent. It, it seemed like it. It did seem like it. Let's uh let's double check that just to be sure. Uh Sheik, what um what did you think of uh Davari's uh promo here before his contest against uh Tommy Dreamer? I can sense some uh similarities in there. Yeah, uh very similar. Um 
again this is another match that uh i actually sat down took time to write notes and i don't really have much here um tommy dreamer uh wore velour pants which i thought was an odd choice for wrestling match (laughs) wouldn't be my material of choice probably uh you know he threw towards the beginning of the match he gets the low bridge by kali then the ref tosses kali um, it was a quick toss by the referee too. Yeah, quick hook. I, you know, and I respect the quick hook. You know, get him out of there. Um, Dreamer channeled the dream. I wrote at one point. I know he did the, uh, you know, the the punch combo that Dusty's known for the what what and mm-hmm. fly the what does he call it? I forget off the top of my head. And um, yeah, I'm making on a break. Dreamer hit. Devari with the inverted DDT for the two count. Um, Devari fell off the top rope and got stuck in a tree of woe. And Tommy Dreamer delivered one of the most awful drop kicks in the tree of woe that I think I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was awful. It was the I, softest. It was, I, I, <laughs> it was I don't even know if bad. I would say soft. I wouldn't say soft. I wouldn't say awful. I would say slowest. Yeah. His run uh, from corner to corner was extremely slow. I I walk from my bedroom door and jump into my bed harder than Tommy Dreamer hit that drop kick. <laughs> uh, Devari got the roll up of Tommy Dreamer. Uh, one two three. Um, you know after the matches, Dreamer chases Devari to the back, and then Kali just murders him. Um, Warren. You know, I know you're not going to like what I have to say here, but this is our second run-in with Tommy Dreamer in our uh, mm-hmm. recordings here, and I mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. <laughs> Every time I see him, um, he's, he's awful. <laughs> so uh, for season two, I'm going to have to show you some some good Tommy Dreamer matches. He has had good to- uh, good matches before. Um, this and uh, he mu- this, this must have been not- in his like uh, uh, divorced middle aged man phase. You know, after you know his girlfriend broke up with him because she let people just beat the tar out of him, and you he know, decides like you know I'm gonna wear uh, been around wear pants time. now and just be uh, one this of those might have been around the time. This might have been around the time that uh, that they did get a divorce, so we know we'll have to look at that. Yeah, um, he's that weird. He's that weird middle aged dude just hanging in the apartment complex hot tub by himself at like nine o'clock at night, drinking some uh, sea breezes. You know, I just I don't know. Uh, <laughs> your fascination with Tommy Dreamer just astounds me. But I digress. I don't know why? One of my been always been one of my favorites from ECW. Chris, what do you got? Tommy Dreamer versus Davari. Uh, honestly, nothing. I don't have anything on this match. Didn't care for it. I do. I like Tommy Dreamer, but he's fighting Davari. There's no title. It's not for like, I don't know. Skip. Skip for me. <laughs> um, so we talked about the, uh, we talked about the slowest trio dropkick of all time by Tommy Dreamer. Um, we talked about Greg Holly getting tossed. Um, I did like how Taz was explaining the finer points of a sleeper hold, um, of where you're supposed to be squeezing and where 
they clearly weren't squeezing. Um, Dreamer gets the or no, they get the roll up win for Davari. Dreamer chases him up the the ramp. Kali gets him with the double choke slam. I did hear, at least I thought I heard, that Tommy Dreamer said he couldn't feel his feet, but then he crawls out of the arena. Um, I don't, you know, maybe you just don't just don't say anything there and then just crawl out and you'll still get the same effect. But if you can't feel your feet, how are you gonna how are you gonna do anything? Just get the stretcher out and go. Um I, I've definitely seen better time of dreamer matches than this one. Uh and that's nothing against Davari either. Davari is a top-notch uh competitor as well and very capable in the ring. Uh but there there have been better ones that I've seen. Uh in my I sure hope so. Uh, no, it, trust me, it, there, there this is been. the cream of the crop. It's eesh. Uh, so now let's move on to uh, before we get to the next match Hardcore Holly is announced as the replacement for Sabu for the main event um, glad that Hardcore Holly could randomly make an appearance at an ECW pay-per-view and just always have his gear on and ready to go uh, even though you're not scheduled to be booked for this and one of 48 people in Augusta, Georgia that night. Thank God. <laughs> uh, next match out here, the mixed tag match with Kevin Thorne and Ariel taking on Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly. Um, I never understood Mike Knox. That's it. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole note. Um, and then Kelly Kelly is out here giving CM Punk a shout out. He's booked for the main event, which is next. Um, and Mike Knox is not thrilled that she's uh, given uh, CM Punk a shout out here. Um, this Kevin Thorne thing is his second attempt at a gimmick in the WWE. For uh, he was previously the short-lived Mordecai character, who was supposed to be the uh, complete opposite of the Undertaker, uh, but then they realized how terrible the gimmick was. They scrapped it and moved him over to be uh, Kevin Thorne. Which was, was that the like blonde haired guy? It, it wasn't. I don't know if it was blonde. It might have been blonde, but it was white. He had yeah, all blonde, white, entire, blonde, white, whatever. Yeah, absolutely, that, okay. that same same exact person. Same exact person. Interesting. Oh, it was it wasn't at all. Uh so Chris, let's start with you here. Uh mixed tag match here with Ariel and Kevin Thorne and Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox. The meat of the match, I didn't really care for. It felt like it was just all um, you know. It was just Kevin Thorne and, and Mike Knox wrestling like, you know, Sunday night heat, whatever. And then, you know, Kelly Kelly gets in. She's super green. Um, You know, very timid in the ring, as she should be. She's not really a wrestler, per se, at this stage in her career. Um, And then, but I did like the finish. I like the whole, you know, she's getting beat up. She's going to try and make a tag to Mike Knox. And, you know, they set it up with, you know, her... 
giving the shout out to CM Punk before the match, and like he was kind of peed all, you know, PO'd about that. And then I'm sure there was other lead up things before the pay per view that like had him feeling the way he felt or whatever. But the the slow walk away, you know, pulling the hand back from the easy tag and walking down the stairs and up the ramp, and then Kelly Kelly just getting destroyed by uh, old Ariel there. Um, interesting. I I like the finish. I thought the finish was fine. It's the the meat of the match because it was all Mike Knox, Kevin Thorne, and it's just meh. You know, it's just meh. It's whatever. Um, and Ariel, interesting wardrobe choice. I mean. And this was a different time, so I get it. But she, you know, her her bottoms, they were just, they were just actual underwear. It wasn't like wrestling gear underneath this skirt. It wasn't. It was just underwear. It was just lingerie that she was wearing, and her butt was just full out. And then when she goes to pin Kelly Kelly, it's like that reverse, like sitting on her chest pin kind of thing she was trying to do but her just bare ass is just in kelly kelly's face yeah and you know i guess in any sense like yeah her butt would be in her face if she was still wearing like wrestling gear but it's not like her actual butt cheeks are like in her face and like you could tell that she was trying to sit in a way where like sorry my butthole's in your face right now hope you don't get pink eye (laughs) so i don't know that was interesting but yeah i mean uh it was you know the match was whatever but i really like i like the finish of this match more than i like the the meat of it yeah um so as much as i talk about liking rest holds um kevin Kevin Thorne and Mike Knox here doing rest holds just doesn't work for me. Um, this was also well before the women's revolution as far as the quality of the women's wrestling here was just not great. Um, Kelly Kelly couldn't sell ice to an Eskimo, couldn't. Just could it work? It was very just like you said, she was very, very green uh at this point in juncture in her WWE career. Um Pilch, what do you got for this match here? Ariel, Kevin Thorne, Kelly Kelly, and Mike Knox. Uh my first note here is ooh, vampire kids. So that was fun. Um mm-hmm. Nothing says, uh, you know, you're dressed like a goth with like a Nike elbow pad, you know, go to Hot Topic, you get your My Chemical Romance t-shirt, and then you go straight across the hall to Dick's Sporting Goods, make sure you got your Nike combat gear. So I get it. Um, what, there's only one rule about Bike Club, Warren. Do you know what it is? Uh, is it you don't talk about Bike Club? No, you bite somebody. I thought that was oh, obvious. That was yeah, the other one. On. Yeah, duh. They, 
Uh, I, like Chris, I wrote uh, aerial skirt hides nothing. He, there's everything. It was um, almost a two-two proportions to where it's just yeah. up. Right. Um. Yeah, that's kind of all I have here. Um, you know, I thought it was I, I like Chris. I actually kind of like the story. I thought they they told a good story. Um, I didn't particularly think that Mike Knox or Kevin Thorne were terrible in the ring. I thought they were fine. Um, you know, and I my biggest disappointment was after the bell rang and Ariel was still beating up Kelly Kelly. I thought CM Punk was going to come out for the save, but instead we got Hack. So um, no, we didn't get Hack. We got the Sandman. Um, I think you're mistaken. The last time I saw this gentleman, he was hack. So, I mean, he only had say, his Sandman shirt on. The artist formerly known as Sandman, aka hack. I mean, potato, tomato at this point, but also, is this the best Sandman's ever been in shape? Hmm. It might have been. He He looked good. He did look good. I, 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 don't you know, know if this, I don't know if this is the best. Do you guys think that no one ever taught Sandman how to drink beer? Because I thought that at one point. Is, <laughs> you don't have to smash it against your own head. You can just drink it. Well, you no. got to crush it to get the five cents. Yeah, you got to recycle. Well, uh, so I, I have a friend of mine. Um. When we were younger, we played Little League together, right? And he, not not the brightest person in the world, mind you, but he, when we play, when we play baseball, he'd go up, he'd get up to bat. It'd be like a big situation, right? It'd be like runners on like first and third. And the guy on the mound would be like throwing it all over the place. And the coach would tell him, he'd be like, okay, I want you to go up there and I want you to take a pitch, take, t- just take a pitch. And my friend would just be, he, he'd almost like, and this is like, you know, we're eight or nine years old. He'd almost start crying every time he went up there. And <laughs> for the life of us, we couldn't figure out like why he got so upset. Right. And he'd go up there and like clockwork every time he'd just get cranked in the shoulder or like in the back or like in the stomach, like the pitcher would just crank him. So, um, you know, fast forward 10, 15 years later, we we were, I think you were there, Chris. We were talking about this with him, and I brought up this story, and he's like, yeah, he goes, when I was a kid, and the coach would tell me to go up there and take a pitch, I thought he was telling me to go up there and get hit by the pitch. <laughs> so the coach would tell him, he's like, get in the box, take a pitch. So he'd actually, like, lean over the plate and just, like, take one every time. And he did this like from he went like age seven to like age like sixteen when he stopped playing in high school, and didn't know the difference. <laughs> Nobody told him the difference. No, well, told him. we told well Pilch told him we were out like together at yeah. some get together some party, and he's like telling the story, and then Pilch's like, yeah, like that just means like don't swing, like just watch it go by. Mind blown. Like, and like no see his, his eyes get wired. And he's just like, what? And like, yeah, man, like that just like just stand there and like don't swing. That's what take a pitch means. Right. <laughs> I, I would seriously have to question the coaches that you had 
that didn't tell this kid the difference between oh, but taking was, pitch and it getting was, uh, It was really fun to watch him. Like you could tell in that, like, I don't know, minute or so after we said it, like he's just going through every single little league baseball game he's ever had. Every time they said, all right, th- take a pitch and he gets hit and just like reliving it. Like I didn't have to do that. I didn't have- I didn't yeah. have to have all these bruises all the time. <laughs> all that trauma for absolutely wrong. Oh, it was great. It was perfect. <laughs> so to circle back is, I wonder if at some point in Hack's life, someone told him to crack a beer, and he thought that meant crack it against his own head. And I wonder yeah. if we have the same conversation with the, the Sandman, if like we'll have a similar result. Where it's like, no, that just means you crack the top. You don't have to crack it against your own skull. And he's and like he just like sits back in his chair. It's like I've been drinking beer wrong my entire life. <laughs> it's like no wonder I get kicked out of the bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, you you might have, you might be onto something there, Pilch. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was nice to see the Sandman here. He gets his uh, he gets his stuff in, and um, and only the Sandman would have a tattoo of his face underneath his bicep to where when he taunts you're looking at both his face and the tattoo face um i oh, would something. expect nothing less from the sandman but now it is main event time it is an extreme elimination chamber for the ECW world title we have the champion Big Show is out here with Paul Heyman, and we have CM Punk, Hardcore Holly, RVD, The Lasher, Bobby Lashley, and Test. Um, there was a a mic that uh, was near the ringside area, I guess. Little too hot because as Paul Lee is cutting his promo in the ring before they bring down the Elimination Chamber, whoever was near this mic was just trying to cuss Paul Lee Dangerous or Paul Heyman out uh, mm-hmm. with all kinds of stuff, um, and they just let it go, let it left it all in there. Um, I expressed this in a pre-show meeting. Um, where I did, I wasn't necessarily against the weapons in the extreme uh, elimination chamber, but the chamber itself, with the the floor that runs right up against the apron, and also the the fence, the cage that keeps them in, and the pods, there's enough danger in there to where you don't really need to add weapons. Um, but the there was a nice simple touch i mean there were some questions about weapon selection but you know whatever um let's start off with uh let's start off with justin pilcher here pilch your thoughts on the extreme elimination chamber matchup um i like the the intro promo to this i thought that was really well put together um Yes. For someone that didn't know anything about this pay-per-view, I thought that filled in the gaps really well, and I knew exactly what was going on. Um, 
I don't think CM Punk and RVD knew what was going on, but I did. Um, <laughs> you know, Heyman comes out, cuts a great promo as as he tends to do. I, you know, Heyman's always money on the mic. He gets the crowd real hot, which is great. Um, I liked Holly and RVD starting the match. I thought that was a good decision. Um, you know, RVD hits Holly with the rolling thunder over the over the rope and onto the steel. Great spot. Um, CM Punk comes out first. He throws the chair at Hardcore Holly, then tries to throw it at RVD, which was a mistake because RVD just caught it and threw it back. I mean, he can't use his own move against him. I mean, come on now. Exactly. Um, uh, then Holly power bombs CM Punk in the stage, and then I wrote that RVD and CM Punk are st- stupid. Because for some reason they were the only two people in this match that didn't understand that this that there was three guys against three guys, and they just proceeded to beat the crap out of each other, and it's like what what are you two doing? Like you know mm-hmm. that like there's there's three people in an alliance, but yet the, the two of you continue to just beat the tar out of each other. It didn't make any sense. Um, you know our uh, our favorite test came out next. Uh, Use the crowbar like a jerk he was just hitting everyone with it um this is when rvd got cut and i think he bladed way too hard because he was just pouring blood at this point um to the point where i thought it was like a little unsafe um personally but you know to to teach their own um rvd hits uh cm punk with the frog splash cm punk goes out again they're both morons they should have just left each other alone and picked on the other two but you know i digress um then we had a weird spot where tess turned on hardcore holly and pinned him and didn't get a three count did you guys catch that so it looked like hardcore holly forgot to kick out um, because something. the ref he didn't count three, but then he had no choice because Holly didn't move. So then he said, "Okay, that's a three count," and Holly had to get out. Maybe that's what contributed because there seemed to be a lot of standing around as the eliminations came in, um, mm-hmm. where uh, there were two different spots where there was only one person in the ring, and uh, the opponents that he needed to face didn't come out of their pods yet. Which made it just right. look very, very awkward. Yeah, it was just, it was very strange. Um, and we had, you know, 45 seconds of downtime, like I, like like you just touched on, where, like, you know, nothing really happened. Uh, you know, Bobby Lashley, his, he's, he's ready to come out next, and then the goons beat up the refs, and they lock the cage, and then uses the table to break the top of the cage. Fine. Um but when he got out, he he murdered Test like quickly, and um, me personally, I am not the biggest Bobby Lashley fan, but I hate Test, and I was so happy to see that just absolutely destroyed him. <laughs> the only problem with that is then we had a full minute until the Big Show came out, <laughs> so we just yeah. had a minute of Bobby Lashley stomping around the ring, you know, like getting ready for him to come out. Um. Then when Big Show finally gets out, he uh it's almost like one of those Renaissance fair or have you you been to one of those before? Like the medieval knights dinners where you, you see the two knights fight each other. 
and the one knight has like a mace and the other knight's down to like just a shield and he's like beating the crap out of him that like that's what this reminded me of and then you know big show gets the the bat stuck in the cage like a moron um and then that spot where lashley throws big show through the the pod was awesome and then they backed it up with big show just smashing him way out on the other side of the pod it was great uh Big choke slam spot, which Lashley reversed in the DV, uh, DDT, excuse me. Um, and then Lashley hit him with a big spear for the win. Um, I wrote Big Show might be dead. He 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 took that hard, and he looks like he's in terrible condition. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, all in all, I thought that this was a great match. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought the little added wrinkle of the, the weapons was cool. You know, I mean... Was it necessary? No, but you know, it is ECW, so it works for me. Um, like I said, my only issue with the match was I thought the CM Punk RVD beating each other up thing was just a little dumb. You know, I think the ring psychology was a little lacking here, but um, you know, the, the finish made sense, so you know, it's hard to criticize it too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, for as short of a pay-per-view as this was, and I was a little concerned because we got into this, this match and we had like 25 minutes left and I was like, they really going to pack all this in in 25 minutes. And I thought they did a good job, you know, outside of the, the weird Holly thing, which I think kind of threw the, the timing off a little bit. I, you know, I thought it was good. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. Chris, what do you got for this main event? So, um, at first, I was excited to see RVD and Hardcore Holly start off this match. Very soon into it, I don't think Hardcore Holly wanted to be there. He just seemed very unenthused to be in this elimination chamber. He didn't, you know seem like he was um willing to work with anyone there it just i think that the botched pin where he was eliminated and it wasn't really a three i think he just wanted out i think he just wanted to get out of there i don't know why i don't know what happened what he disagreed with about the elimination chamber maybe he just wasn't feeling the you know he got slammed on that 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 metal grating i was like fuck this i'm out of here like he just didn't want any part of it um if and it felt like he was off to the side a lot and which is why rvd when cm punk came out rvd and cm punk had to beat the crap out of each other because because hardcore wanted no part of the elimination chamber he wanted no part of it I think in-ring stuff he was fine with, but as soon as they started like messing around on the side and the apron and all that and the metal siding and bo- hardcore, just like, I'm going to go lay down over here and just don't touch me. Like, this is, he just like thought it was BS. I don't know. Um, then Tess comes out with the crowbar. I liked how everybody got a little piece of the crowbar. Um, RVD, I don't think he was bleeding too much. I think RVD was bleeding just enough. I mean, if you want to see bleeding too much from a deep blade, Eddie Guerrero, Brock Lesnar, and he's Eddie and Brock, right? And he's gushing. Uh, that was Eddie JBL. Eddie, Eddie JBL, sorry. Yeah. Eddie JBL. 
and he is gushing blood. Gushing blood. That's too much. This was nothing. <laughs> this was nothing. And if they didn't stop they didn't stop it for Eddie, they ain't gotta stop it for RVD. Um and I talked about this in the in the the you know before we were recording a little bit. I like the weapons idea in Elimination Chamber. I think they should bring that back. That would be a great addition to the Elimination Chamber. I think it would just be a nice little twist that like, you know, people have probably forgot about and just adds us a little something to it. My only bugaboo was everyone else got reasonable weapons. Big Show had barbed wire baseball bat. Sure. Buy it. Tess had a crowbar. Okay. I buy it. CM Punk, he had a chair. I buy that. It's very common. They gave Bobby Lashley a table. Now, I'm. this is a bugaboo for me on two fronts. One, Bobby Lashley is not known for putting people through tables. He's not known for using tables. So why would he have a table? Maybe it's just the luck of the draw. I don't know, but it just seemed a weird pairing for Bobby Lashley. And also, I don't think he used it at all. He just used it to get out of the cell. Yeah. And then they never addressed it again. They never used it again. I think everyone else, well, Big Big Show, he kind of used the bat, but, you know, whatever. You can't really, they don't really allow the baseball, barbed wire baseball bat too much anymore. Um, And uh, what was the other bugaboo? The weird pairing with the the table. Oh, and then he never used it. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was that he never used it. Like, just give him a regular. I don't know. I don't even. But what would he give him? A trash can? I don't know. Something reasonable, or give give him the chair and give CM Punk something else. Give him a fire extinguisher. I don't. I don't. Know. I just think the table was a misstep in the weapons choosing for all the people. Um. A stop sign. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like something, something you can swing, something you can hit them with. Not, not a table. Everybody else in that match that was assigned a weapon had a weapon that they could swing. Right. Or you know what? But he, he, here's the thing: he needed something where he could get out of the cage because they, bang, like you know, they locked him in. Give him a sledgehammer, and then he bangs out one of the plexiglass things. Boom. And a sledgehammer is much more Bobby Lashley than a table. So, yeah. like, what? Who? who I want to know. I'm going to call Connecticut. I want to call WWE headquarters. I want to talk to these bookers because I feel like I'm, man. I'm telling you, common sense goes a long way in 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 everything in life and in booking a, a wrestling show. And just like I feel like. Sometimes these guys like they think too much about it, and it's just like, hey man, just we got to keep it simple. It's just wrestling. It's just pro wrestling. We ain't got to, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We just got to put on a good show, but it has to make sense. It has to make sense, and like some of the stuff you guys are doing, it's not making sense. But I can help with that. I think we all can help with that, especially Pilch. Pilch is really good at that. Pilch is very good uh, at, at booking stuff. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, the other thing. Big Show. Big Show looks like shit. 
Um, he does not look well. He, I think this might have been the heaviest he has ever been. Um, and doing some research, uh, he shortly re- he retired shortly after this. Um, you know, claiming you know going to Vince and saying he's just he's done. He's burnt out. He's done all he's he can do, and he wants out and retired shortly after uh, this pay-per-view. I think he had one more match with the Lasher, and then he was done. Um, And you know what? I can tell because even when he got out of the pod, I don't know. Did he? I don't even think he took that many bumps. It was just he was out, and then the match was over. Yeah. You know, like there wasn't. Yeah. So... Bobby Lashley gets the win. I, you know, he, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big Lashley fan. Well, scratch that. I like Lashley now. That is what the hurt is. I didn't like Lashley back then. Um, But, I mean, it was the only, it was either that or put it on CM Punk, and he was quickly out of there. Um, I think CM Punk was out too soon. I would have eliminated Hardcore Holly first. But I mean, whatever. Yeah. I, you know, whatever. But yeah, I think um, I do think Van Dam and, and CM Punk saved this match because I it just didn't. Hardcore Holly is usually the hardest worker in any match you put him in. He is the hardest worker ever. He always leaves it all out there. This match is the only match. This is the first time I've seen Hardcore Holly, and he was not giving 120% in the ring. Agreed. He did not want any part of this. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just like this kind of match isn't for him. I don't know. But he did not want to be there. And that, I think that pin bot was, was, uh, evidence of that but and i think the other guys knew that and so when cm punk came out him and rvd were like we got to save this we got to like we got to kill ourselves because because bob's not helping us so i understand what you were saying pilch about like why you know big show and tess are are and you know holly are obviously working together why are we killing ourselves? Like, why don't we get him out and work together until those guys are gone? But they, I think it was more of a, um, uh, like business decision of like, we got to save this match and like put on a show because the people aren't feeling this right now. They're not feeling this. And we got to give them, we got to give them ECW. And that's what they did. This was the only time like ECW showed up in the pay- in this whole December to December pay per view. That was the most ECW thing. I mean, Sandman coming out was pretty good too, but that wasn't you know it wasn't enough. So that's that's why I think they did what they did. Yeah, I I mean I. I, I... I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I just, I, it, 
to me, it just, like I said, I just, it, it doesn't make any sense from a booking standpoint. And it's right. It didn't like, hit the spot for you. And the, yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it kind of ruined it. But, you know, think about it from a performer point of view. Like, what are you going to do? The one guy who usually works harder than everyone else isn't working with you. And you got to make adjustments and we got to, you got to try and put on the best show you possibly can. And that's what, that's what RVD and, and, and CM Punk did until the rest of the guys could get in there. No. And I, like, like I said, I, I agree with what you're saying and you know, that makes a lot of sense, but um, it doesn't take away from the fact that it, it ruins the psychology of the match. Oh yeah. It de- Yeah. And I agree. I agree with you there. It definitely does. It definitely does. But I, I'm just, I guess I'm being more devil's advocate than anything. I'm just like, they were in a, they were in a rock and a hard place, you know? Oh yeah, I I would agree with that. I don't think you're wrong there. But, um, yeah, I mean that's all I got on the match. Lashley gets W, he gets the title, and this is finally over. It's finally over. Um, <laughs> uh, pills, you didn't go yet, right? No, I went. Oh, you went already? Yeah, okay. pills first. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. What do I have for this match? Uh, we mentioned Harko Holly got kicked out. ECW Test was clearly on the gas. He was jacked to the gills uh, coming out to the ring here. Like, uncomfortably uh, I feel it was more jacked. like he ate too many sandwiches. He looked no, more like yeah, he, fat. Very, very, dispro- very disproportionate for sure. Yeah. Yes. No, this is a hundred percent on the gas. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but he did manage to hit a nice elbow drop off of the top of uh big shows pod, which was, that was a cool spot. Yeah. The fans quickly turned on the match. Once RVD got eliminated, they were not fond of that at all. Nope. Um, I mean, there were a couple booths when CM Punk got out of there too. True too. This is true too. Um, but I think they were like, "Oh, we still got RVD," and then he got out. And it's like, "Well, what the fuck are we paying for?" <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Chris mentioned yeah, how uh, Chris mentioned how Paul Heyman's security team tried to lock Lashley in there, but he fought his way out with the table. Hey, um, I mentioned that. That was me. Oh, sorry about that. Don't he didn't. Mention, I just mentioned how they they shouldn't. He shouldn't have used a table. Yes. Yes. I'll switch that point right around. Boom. Got it. Uh, we mentioned about the spots where the eliminations happened and there were nobody else. There was nobody else in the ring um, that kind of just dragged the match out uh, longer than it needed to be. And then Lashley wins off of the spear and is the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, I was surprised he didn't go after the security team once he was out. They kind of just stood off on the side and and looked at Lashley. Uh, didn't reveal themselves or anything like that. That was an interesting. You, you saw what Lashley just did. You're not going to reveal yourself to that maniac. <laughs> That's true. Um, and I want to say uh, shortly after this, Paul Heyman is relieved of his duties in the WWE after this pay per view. Um, and ECW just goes on a. a around around the toilet bowl 
uh, after this pay-per-view. They don't get another one, and uh, they just kind of disintegrate. My, my, my final thought with, with that is, is I, I don't put this one on uh, Polly dangerously, personally. No, no, I don't he, think you He worked do. with what he had. Absolutely. And um, there were a lot of other fingerprints on there that were not uh, Paul Heyman. And when it didn't perform to, I don't know what the expectation was, but when it didn't perform to said expectation, there had to be some person that was the fall guy and the fall guy ended up being Paul. Um, but like we, we mentioned uh, in the beginning, they critically acclaimed this was not a great pay-per-view, but all in all, even with the, oh, I didn't like this, I didn't like that, how the match ended, the, the Hardy Boys tag match in the beginning going ridiculously long. I don't think the pay-per-view was really bad. I think we have watched worse pay-per-views here on the Triple R podcast than this. Way worse. I, I, I'm struggling. I don't know if we'll ever get anything worse than SummerSlam 88, personally. <laughs> It it's it'll be a challenge, I think. It'll be definitely be a challenge. Um but uh let's move over to the scores. This was a tight one. Um not many uh not many points to give out. Um none of the matches were really great. Um but if I can count real quick, it's three Five, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Two, two, four, six, nine, ten, eleven. Twelve to eleven. Butthole tight. Hill twins. Oh no. (laughs) I did it. So this is what we dreaded happening because now we wanted to try to come up with a a winner for the first season leading into uh, our season finale next Sunday. And we have all won four pay-per-views. Um, this is oh, unprecedented to say the least. So, I think by the time we reconvene uh, this coming Wednesday, uh, we should have we should be able to figure out how we're going to work through this three way tie. Unless we just say that the the season finale, uh is worth a million points. Oh, so it's like, whose line is it anyway? Like, yeah. yeah. Games made up and the points don't matter. That's right. So I say, we'll do that. We'll say this, the season finale next Sunday will be worth a million points. And that person will be the undisputed triple R season one, triple R podcast season one winner. That sound good to you guys? Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. 
Mm. Um, I don't even think there's even room to give out awards here. Uh, yeah. I don't think we can. Yeah, I don't good. think there was a three minute crop match. I don't think there was really a right bananas match. We got through the pay-per-view. wasn't as long as we expected. I'm going to give right bananas to whoever decided to give Lashley a table. <laughs> that uh, I think we can uh, we can do that. So we'll give that one to the backstage producer that gave Bobby Lashley a table as his weapon of choice here in the extreme elimination chamber match. Uh, yeah. So this coming Wednesday, we will uh, reveal who our pool of wrestlers will be. And then next Sunday, we will book our cards. We'll have our special guest host, they will decide who is the undisputed winner of season one, and we will go from there. I am uh, excited to try and book a uh, pay-per-view with you guys. And uh, this is quite possibly, I mean, we'd have to look at the numbers, the shortest Sunday show that we've done. We're only clocking in right now at about a, an hour and 25 minutes. We might have done shorter. For a Sunday show, not counting the Pilch and Warren extravaganza? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, the Pilch this and Warren like extravaganza could have been four hours. It could have I mean, really been. Right. It, it literally could have been. We could still be talking right now. <laughs> you never you never know um so yeah let's get out of here thank you guys for joining us today uh we will see you guys on wednesday for our pre-show as we prepare for the season finale of mm-hmm. our triple r podcast season you can find us on all social media at triple r podcast instagram facebook and the twitter uh, our website is triplerpodcast.com. Email is the real triplerpodcast at gmail.com. You can download the show on your podcast service of choice Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and the Spotify's. Uh, also on Podcast Addict, and you could just download our RSS feed. Um, Subscribe, rate, review, uh, send your questions, comments, and concerns through our website or through our email. Um, let us know what you want to see us watch for season two, um, which will start up uh, pretty soon, I believe. Um, Pilch, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, Uncle Chris, thank you. Yeah, anytime. And we will see you guys on Wednesday as we prepare for our season finale, a Triple R podcast uh, extravaganza. Uh, So long, everybody.